2016 SEN, Melbourne's home of footy, Afternoons with Francis Leach, for the Volvo Summer Sale, on now. At 23 minutes past two, Carlos Alberto Diego joins us for Mooney Valley Racecourse. Welcome in the Year of the Rooster at the Valley this Friday to talk football, the world game. How are you, mate? How are you going? You've got the West Ham top on. Absolutely. It's the retro one, too, by I the way. If I turn around here, oh, I've got the number six on the back, too. There you go. Francis, uh, it's, there I'm go. not rubbing it into your... Giving it to, this is almost a London derby here, but I've got the utmost respect for you. I actually had watched uh, Arsenal play in <laughs> Hi, at Highbury in the, in the 80s. Oh, wow. So um, I was sort of... It was a ground level where your head just pops up above the ground. So and, the David uh, O'Leary era. Yeah, I've, I've got no interest to watch them at Emirates, even though I have watched them there. No interest. David Rowcastle was out there, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah uh, who was running around? Winterburn was running around. Nice. Tony Adams, the big... The greats. The, bu- the bullocking... Steve Bold? Yeah, Steve, yeah, well, yeah, that back four that were just like baby giraffes and they just kicked the hell out of everyone. Lee Dixon? Yeah. And, uh, and of course, Dave, Dave Seaman in the... In the uh, oh, it's spunky. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So... Uh, yeah, no, that were that were the days, and uh, uh, we could have done so, with them so, last night. Yeah. <laughs> Bloody well, hell! There was a time in the in the seventies when it was just perennial West Ham Arsenal fighting relegation every year with Tottenham down there too. All the London clubs were right down the bottom there. We never got relegated, but no. it was always that battle. We were never up the top half. So. No, we- when the likes of Derby County and That's right, that's right, that's <laughs> right. Sheffield Wednesday yeah, that's were right. challenging for honours. Yeah. Uh, but uh, let's talk a little bit about that before we get on to some local news. Uh, that penalty miss this morning by Diego Costa, that save from Simon Mignolet, just kept the Premier League from being yep. a, 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 a shut case, didn't it? Because if Chelsea had picked up the three points at, mm. at, uh, at Anfield last night, that would have put them 10 points clear, nine yep. point, 11 points clear, and game over. Mm. They wouldn't have been caught, but... There's nine is probably enough, but it just kept the door slightly ajar if anyone can find a little well, bit of form and a prayer. It, and really, you know, we talk about Arsenal letting their fans down last night against uh, Watford with a 2-1 loss. And even at, at, at home, you know, 2-0 down after 13 minutes, it just doesn't make sense with Arsenal. But they'll go out and beat Chelsea this weekend. <laughs> they will. Because that's the history. That We talk about culture off air. And I was going to quiz you about the culture of this club. And then you said, oh, they only lost four games. But... They always, they, for some reason, there's a there's a darkness uh, hovering over Arsenal all the time. They're a big, big club in world football that don't win anything. And uh, with Arsene Wenger, they they do parade themselves as a, as a big club that should be winning a lot of things. And they they get they get into the Champions League what fifteen years in a row? Or no, no, something? no, eighteen years. A, eighteen in a row. years in get a row. Right. And 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 then they'll 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 tantalise you with beating Bayern Munich. You know, yeah, and, but that'll and, be after we've lost yeah, at that, home. That's that, right. So they'll do <laughs> that. And it's, it's, it's this cultural heroic thing. failure. Yeah, yeah. This, uh, the, yeah, the glorious failures that the, that uh, that happen every time. But then they'll go and do something like beat Chelsea this weekend, and then suddenly it's down to six points. But they'll finish second. They'll always do. They'll, they'll, for me, they're my pick for finishing second. But if they ever win the league, they'll have another generation of supporters on their side. They'll be one of the biggest clubs in the world if they're not already. So, uh, so, but that's Arsenal for you. But it, it's, I think it's really interesting. Chelsea should have won this game, I thought, this week, this morning also. Uh, Liverpool were just hanging on. Uh, they had their chances too to win, but I thought Chelsea were the better side. And uh, that missed by Diego Costa. 
the reaction from Antonio Conte on, on the side there, you could see it was more than just a penalty miss. That was the thing that they really needed going into this Arsenal game. They needed this win against Liverpool to go into this Arsenal game this weekend. Yeah, you felt he, you could see in his... And he's done an amazing job, Conte, in his first year in charge of, of Chelsea. I mean, all the resources at his disposal, but you know they came off the back of earlier in the year being belted mm. at the Emirates 3-0. Yeah. And everyone thought, you know, he's playing three at the back and it was all over the shop. And then they won this amazing run where they've been virtually unbeatable ever since. They've lost one game in the mix. But, uh, yeah, that, that was a big result. Sunderland holding Tottenham just keeps everything at mm. uh, an even kill in the Premier League. But Leicester losing to Burnley. Now, the Foxes had that incredible year last year and they are currently just two points above the relegation zone. They do have Champions League football to come and they were great in their Champions League group stage. What do you do? Do you do you put all your eggs in the Champions League basket and go for it, or does does uh, the Tinker Man Claudio Ranieri have to focus on just keeping his team up? Oh, they have to they have to stay up, Francis. They're realistically not going to win the Champions League. You know, they're just not going to do that. It's probably going to be the only time in their history they're going to go so far in the Champions League. But really. Uh, do you try and avoid relegation or do you try and go as far as you can in the Champions League? Maybe financially, every time you get to the next stage of financial uh, Champions League, there's more money coming into the club. But if you saw the goal that Burnley scored uh, this morning in, uh, in, in uh, late in that game, and it was a handball, the ricochet, Vokes has put it away, uh, but they were desperately unlucky. Where they got the luck last year, they're getting the, uh, the, you know, the, the, the raw end of the stick this time too. You know, so. I saw them play against Southampton yeah. though yeah. the week before when they were beaten 3-0. They were awful. Yeah. So it's just gone. It's, you know, the premiership hangover, if you want a, a casebook study of it, it's happening this year. Maybe they don't care because they've, they've won the Premier League and everyone else can you know, get in line and, and yeah. try and do that. But uh, they've got some worries. 9-4-2-9-11-16, if you want to talk to us about the World Game, Premier League, any other football as well, uh, give us a call. Carlos Alberto Diego for Mini Valley Racecourse. Welcome in the year of the Rooster at the Valley this Friday. Uh, Rick's in Cranbourne's been waiting patiently. Hello, Rick. How you going? Good. I just wanted to say one thing. Can I say one thing? Yes. <laughs> I always like to say, I love hearing this. I always love hearing... Four Diego's. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Before that comes on. Thanks, Rick. I just laugh my head off. I think it's funny. Uh, it's good. It's a good thing. Um, Melbourne City. Yes. Derby. All right. You feeling, um, you feeling we, the vibe? I'm a Melbourne City fan. Yeah. Uh, and I love it. I, I was a Melbourne Heart fan. There you go. You're the uh, guy. Yeah. <laughs> I've been around since the kill days. It's all good. Um, I want to talk about um, the game they played last weekend. Um, Melbourne City's game. I think when we talk about, you say, the stings coming out of the game as far as the derby's concerned. Well, I think people love derbies. Everyone loves going to a derby because the crowds are big and all that sort of stuff. But I think um, what's sort of lacking, I feel it's been lacking lately, is more or less the ball use and skill. And I think that can put a lot of people off. I'll talk about one player. I don't like the single players out, but I want to talk about one player who made a lot of mistakes last week. His name was Rose. You know Rose? Yeah, Josh Rose. Josh Rose down the left-hand side. Mate, just absolute errors. Like, guys trying to transition ball from back half to forward just with one kick and just can't hit the target. And I think the way I look at it is in, in soccer, football, you know, Aussie soccer, I look at it like, for myself, I like to watch skill over athleticism. So if we're choosing players that are playing the game based on their uh, athleticism, then I think the game's not going to go far and you're not going to get the people to the game because people want to see skill. People want to see good passing. Yeah. People want to see all this sort of stuff. And it's not happening. And, and Rose just made so many mistakes with the ball. I thought I could kick that ball and put it on Fonerelli's chest myself. 
Yeah. You're, you're in the top line of soccer here in Australia. You should be able to hit targets. Yeah, really thank, well. Thanks for your call, Rick. Let's have a conversation with Carlos yeah. about this. Because uh, Tony Tanao has written a really interesting blog uh, on the Raw and football today about the quality of the A-League and whether it's actually, you know, it's only a sample of one, but this season hasn't met the same standard that we saw last year. And that's a bad, it's bad timing for the A-League because mm. the competition for eyeballs is so very fierce with the Big Bash going really well. Tennis once again having a bumper Australian Open. Um, you know, the A-League needs to be at its best to compete. Yeah, I would say early in the year we were saying the opposite, I think. Uh, it was actually okay. quite good. The crowds were up. The, the football was pretty good quality. Uh, I think uh, the the... the the boys that were coming in, uh, the marquees for different clubs were, were performing pretty well. Um, when you're looking at the Melbourne City game, though, I mean, if, you, if you're going to pick on a player that makes mistakes, I mean, you can go through every player and there's errors everywhere, you know, misplaced passes, even from the back from Bazanis is he's one of the best distributors of the ball, sometimes he doesn't hit his targets. But really, it's that, um, it's that issue about ineffective possession. I mean, they, they, they revert to their... They point to their possession stats at the end of the game, 66% to 34 or whatever it was, and, and they're saying we had all the ball, they parked the bus, and, and they got us on the break. I mean, that's a legitimate, that's a legitimate strategy. <laughs> if, you're a, if you're a club that's known for over-possessing the ball and going sideways and not penetrating and being weak on the defensive transition... And your opposition's a strong block and a committed group of players who are going to scrap and, and claw and, and break quickly when you lose possession. It's a legitimate strategy. And Newcastle did it to a T the other night. But what we're getting from the likes of someone like Tony Popovich at West Sydney Wanderers, and even Mike Volcanis a bit on, uh, on the weekend, is that we had all the ball, we created all the chances, and we still lost. And it's almost like, you know, you talk about the glorious failures. It's not a glorious failure. Yeah, Kevin Musket the same against yeah. Sydney FC. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, that, that, that story runs out. Okay, we'll take some more of your calls. 94291116. Carlos Alberto Diego talking the world game here on 1116 SCN. Carlos Alberto Diego is with us talking the world game. Your call's in a sec on 94291116. Bit of other news. Trent Sainsbury is uh, taking the uh, the Silk Road from China to, to Milan. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. I think he'll take the world record, the Guinness Book of Records, as the only loan from a Chinese club to an Italian club. What is going on, Carlos? Well, yeah, it, it's it, look. Trent's one of our great up and coming as a twenty-five year old and a half. He's going to be a soccer for another ten years. He's going to be terrific for us. But uh, but it was really interesting him being loaned out to uh, to Inter Milan from a Chinese club. I think it's got to do with the foreign quotas now in China. There are five players who can be from any parts of the, part of the world. Three can only play. He was sort of almost edged out there. They're, uh, the 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 Sunning Club in China own Inter Milan, or their 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 owners own Inter Milan. They probably saw a bit of an opening there with one of their centre halves going to England to play for Hull. So that it's probably a bit of a marriage of convenience, a little bit. But it's not a bad club to go to f- by way of a loan. Zulnetti, <laughs> he's going to yeah. be in the black and blue, and hopefully he gets a game. If he gets a game for the rest of the season, suddenly that's a great experience for him. We wish him all the best. Uh, you do have to have uh, a passport and be prepared to travel when you <laughs> want to play football, yeah. like our next guest, Archie Tom. Thompson, Melbourne victory legend, uh, soccer is legend, over 50 caps for the country. Uh, he's still playing, believe it or not. He's going to be heading up towards the Murray. For Murray United, he's going to be lacing up in the NPL. Archie joins us. G'day, Arch. 
Hey, mate, you need a passport for here too, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> Archie, it's Carlos. Uh, congratulations on the move, mate. Uh, obviously, uh, it's close to home. Uh, will you be spending time? I think the, the ground that you're playing at, uh, by reports in the media, is only about a kilometre from where your folks live. Will you be spending the time with your folks while you're playing over there? Yeah, I will. Um, I think that's one of the main reasons why I, I signed with Murray. Um, more so to to be close to family, but then also to, to give back to, to the community and grassroots football. I mean, you, you know, when you come from a professional outfit like I have over so many years, you want to try to give back to where you, where you began, and this is where I began, and only a kilometre up the road is mum, and uh, I'll be able to hear her screams from the train. <laughs> and also, too, up the road, I actually started about a kilometre up the other road, um, the other way is where I actually started first my junior football with Twin City. So I'm really excited actually to be back here and um, giving back and hopefully I can contribute something to the club. So how many uh, are you signed for the remainder of the season? What, what's, your, what's your deal? How many games will you, are you likely to play for Murray? Well, the season actually hasn't started. So yep. um, the season starts this weekend and, and at the moment I'm, I'm jotted down uh, for three matches. But I did say to them that, you know, if I am enjoying it, that I'd like to obviously play a lot more. I, I think when I finished my career at Victory, I went straight into the uh, uh, NPL with Heidelberg, and, I, and I've said it before that I, I think I I, uh, I had high expectations too soon, and uh, I, I think I was kind of almost like, well, what am I doing here? Because it's, like, it's such a big drop from what I've been used to, and I think now I'm, I'm very happy from where I am now, and I, and I, and I feel like you know, my football is all about... Um, giving back and that's what I look to do here and if I can inspire any of the young guys um, and just show them uh, firsthand what it takes to be a professional footballer give little hints here and there because I know in the country there's so much it's so hard for kids to have that pathway or get that exposure so hopefully me giving a little bit of insight on what it takes um, it might contribute hopefully a little uh, hopefully a lot or even a little I mean I'm willing to, to do whatever Arch, uh, tell us about the journey you've been on since you've finished playing at that elite level. Uh, when your whole life is, you know, being an icon of a football club and the biggest football club in Australia and you're being idolised and you score, you know, records are being beaten now, but, but records that will stand at a high level for a long, long time. Tell us about the psychology that you had to go through to the, from when you left there to the point you are now. Well, look, it was tough because, you know, you're used to being... You're used to having things really structured, and uh, and you know you know exactly what you're going to be doing for for you know it's almost planned out for the year. So it's all about now just trying to use your time wisely. And uh, I, you know, I I came to terms with I think uh, you know no no longer being a victory player, but then it, you know I, psychologically I was okay, but then suddenly uh, you know I lose my goal scoring record, and suddenly that's <laughs> too much. Too, uh, Two or three weeks later, I lose the record for the most games of victory. So, I mean, uh, look, I'm I'm very happy with uh, where I'm at now. I mean, uh, it's, it's obviously a learning curve. I'm very lucky as a footballer that I've had the career I have, and then it's been very easy that transition where I've, I've gone straight into Fox or I've done a lot of bit of radio. I've got the community um, ambassador role with victory. But you know, the sad thing is that some footballers don't have that because maybe they. Um, they haven't had the career I have and they sort of almost get lost. So uh, hopefully they can fix that because I, I think that's one area that's been lacking for our sport is that I see it a lot in AFL and the, and the rugby is that they, they tend to almost forget the footballers, um, you know, after they've finished their career. They don't 
they don't give the uh, footballers an opportunity to see where their transition could be. And uh, hopefully that's something that will improve. But for me, I'm really happy that I've, I've found my way and I'm doing some stuff with the ambassador with Victory and that gives me an uh, opportunity to go into the community and do some stuff there and also give back. If I had my way, <laughs> I would love to play a lot of uh, more games in the country, for, like all across the state, but unfortunately uh, you can't do that. You're only allowed to register with, with three clubs and play with two. So, uh, But if I can, like I said, I'm, I'm happy that I can come down here and give something back. We wish you all the best. When's your first game? Uh, I'm hoping in about two weeks. Uh, mate, I haven't kicked the ball for about three months, so they've probably seen me after two weeks and I've probably been the rest of the two games. But I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Good on you, Archie. Good luck, and I'm sure they'll be very excited to see you out there in the, uh, the home red shirt. Uh, beautiful, boys. Thank you very much. Archie Thompson, Melbourne Victory and Socceroos legend. He'll be playing for Murray United in the NPO. Isn't it great that uh, there's you know, continued involvement of uh, playing football for players who've uh, been at the highest level? I would love to see that, uh, you know, how Brendan Favola tra- uh, travels around the suburban clubs and around the regional areas to play football for different clubs. I mean, that would be an excellent thing. for. I mean, Archie even said himself he'd love to do that. Why can't we just bend the rules a little bit on that one there? FFV? Get on with it. Do you remember the, when Peter Beardsley came out? Yes, <laughs> he came out. And that didn't work he, out so he, well. No, Ian, Rush, looked, Ian Rush came out too. Oh, Ian Rush kept himself in good nick. Beardsley yeah. looked like he'd been <laughs> <laughs> to the waterside before the game. No, no, no that's true. There was a few of those guys that came out like that. But, uh, but it would be great to have Archie uh, play for different clubs, you know, uh, and, and the league's... You know, at that level there, the league's uh, loving it and, and embracing that. Let's get to the phones. Nine four two nine eleven sixteen. Carlos Alberto Diego with us talking about the world game uh, football at 17-3. to 3. Don't forget the run home coming up with Marco and the Ox very soon. Michael, how are you? G'day, gentlemen. How are we? Good, Good mate. mate. Mate, just two things. Uh, just what Musk had said after the Sydney game, wasn't, you've got to read between the lines, wasn't he saying that we had the ball, we didn't know what to do with it. <laughs> Yeah, the gap is significant. Uh, at least it feels that way. But a final series is different, Carlos. I mean, they will win the Premier's plate now. They're not going to yeah. be caught. Yeah. But we press reset with the finals, and it basically becomes a cup competition. Cutthroat, get out if you lose. Well, we saw it with the cup final, FFA Cup final. Melbourne City's the only team that have beaten this Sydney, this version of Sydney uh, FC. So, uh, look, it's more of a media game. It's almost like the third the third. Third, isn't it? Third half or something after the game in those in those uh, press conferences. Uh, it's what you're setting your team up for the following week, and you're setting up oppositions in future weeks for what you're saying. So they're, they're learning a lot in that respect. Our our uh, A League managers. And to their sure. credit, I mean, I think Graham Arnold likes being, uh, and he's like the Bogan Jose. Yeah. <laughs> he, he just he just likes to to stir the pot a little bit and you know mm. get under people's skin, which is good for the game. Absolutely, and he gives, uh, you know, Kevin Musket's not the sort of bloke that is going to sit back and say, uh, that's just Arnie just joshing there. I think I'll hit back, and that's what he does. Yeah, it's good stuff. Matty's on the road. Hello, Matt. Uh, good day, boys. How are we? Good, mate. Carlos has got his West Ham shirt yes. on, his retro Bobby Moore number on today. <laughs> we're dug and our motors on the front, I hope. No, this is really uh, odd. We're talking, no, no, we're no, talking. no sponsor on the no front. No sponsor. <laughs> Early 70s I just wanted to, get, um, I wanted to get your guys' take on the Dimitri Pyatt situation. Oh, cause what a rat. As a West Ham fan, I was absolutely wrapped with the way that the club handled it, but also how refreshing it was for Slavin Bilic to be 
so up front, early doors. I think it's something that's really missing, in, especially in Australian um, media and coaches, how refreshing it was for him to be on the front foot. Yeah, Matty, let's, let's just get issue. Carlos, because we've got to get to a break soon. Carlos, to explain what happened, and he'll answer your question. Yeah, so, the, Dimitri was, Pope was yeah, a star for yeah, West Ham last uh, year. Yeah, French uh, international was a star. He, he really made it. He, he gave himself a, a world brand. Uh, by playing at West Ham and, and scoring goals, he's just a brilliant Scored player. Scored in for the Euros for France. And they, in fact, you know, he, he, uh, last February, uh, yeah, last February, they they re-signed, uh, they got him, you know, to renew his contract. Five years at £125,000 a week. <laughs> and after, uh, you know, six months, he starts agitating for a move to, to Marseille for apparently less money. So it made no sense. But through that whole saga, there are players who agitate for moves but still give their all. But he wasn't training. He just refused to train, refused Used to play. Story came out just in the last 24 hours that he refused to even talk to his teammates every day at training. Like at lunch, he'd go off in the bistro and sit by himself. And I mean, it it was it was just it was just awful. And the club, he was a cancer at the club. The club wanted to cut out that cancer, but Marseille wouldn't pay the money. So suddenly this dragged on a bit, but the club wouldn't bend on it. And uh, so anyway, finally, they, before the transfer deadline, he ended up signing for £25 million. Pound, a little bit less than West Ham wanted, but they refused to pay him the last month's wages Good. because he wouldn't play or train. So we'll keep your wages. And uh, so anyway, they got rid of him and West Ham, are, I think, on the up now. Yeah, uh, that's the best way to handle that situation. Absolutely. Just don't let the door hit you on the way out. On 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of footy, afternoons with Francis Leach for the Volvo Summer Sale on Now. And Carlos Alberto Dago is with us as well, talking the world game at 10 to 3, 9, 4, 2, 9, 11, 16 is the number if you want to join the conversation. Rob's in Essendon. Hi, Rob. Yeah, g'day, boys. Uh, Carlos, I'm a very frustrated Melbourne City supporter. <coughs> Tactically, for me, they just play too high up the ground, the defence. They get killed on the counter a lot. And I was listening to Ned Zalich who was saying that they don't press enough. And that, to me, says that they're not working hard enough. I was just wondering, when's the penny going to drop for this team? Do, do the City group just want to... Do they just accept mediocrity? Because I've just had a gut full of them. Well, Rob, the point about the high pressing, they were doing it beautifully at the start of the year when there was some a point to prove leading into the FFA Cup final. They had the derbies early. Uh, first five games were brilliant. And it's amazing, when you start winning the ball high up the pitch, you're not going to have the turnover issues and the transition issues that they've been having. Against um, against Newcastle in Coffs Harbour, the, they were playing high, a high line, and, but they were nowhere near their opposition when, uh, when they were pressing the ball. And, of course, that's going to... Uh, let you know the likes of Naboo and Lele in, in the middle of the park just, just slice you up with uh, through balls and things like that. And there was just so many gaps, uh, and no one was doing their defensive job. They were just enjoying all this ineffective possession, and in the end, it cost them badly. That's when it. That's when they really disappoint Melbourne City when they uh, when they just don't work as hard as the opposition. And in, you know they came out and said that you know uh, Newcastle parked the bus. Well, you know, this team set themselves up to do that. They scrapped and they fought. They defended in their own six-yard box for their lives, but they still won the game. It says something about you being millionaires, playing the way you do, and get beaten by a team that scrapped and fought like that. I think it says something about you for that night anyway. And they've got a massive task against Melbourne Victory because it's all online for them this weekend. Uh, 11-16 SEN will be there for that one. Uh, let's speak with Dominic in Thomastown. Hey, Dom. Oh, g'day, boys. Uh, I'm a Victory fan. I'm hoping that uh, we smash City on the weekend. <laughs> no <laughs> doubt. <laughs> um, 
speaking of City, their women's team is starting their finals this week and then looking to go back to back, but we don't hear anything about the women's uh, league and uh, the W League finals. Um, we'll get on to that for sure. Thank you for putting us on notice. Yeah, well, they've got Canberra United who won the, won the competition and they're a really great side, Canberra United. And they, they are chomping at the bit to, to get to Melbourne City because they were actually embarrassed a little bit last season. Uh, they, they are a team that's won a lot of uh, premierships until this new breed of men, uh, Melbourne City girls team has come in. And so they've got a bit of revenge against Melbourne City in Canberra this weekend. And, uh, and so it's a big, a big game. Melbourne City but obviously been a lot, really disappointing in the second half of this season in particular. And uh, they've, I'm not sure what happened there, but they started losing a string of games in a row. They're fourth back now, finished fourth. Uh, but they've got the pedigree and good, great players to be able to beat Canberra this week and go all the way again. Thanks, Dom. At uh, six minutes to four, a couple of other things we should talk about before we get going. Aaron Moyes, Uddersfield, yeah. uh, started the season uh, on a flyer with a championship team. Now, he's actually, a, strangely enough, a Manchester City player. And he's going to miss out on playing against City in the FA Cup because of that arrangement. Well, it, it's they, apparently Manchester City can pick a game or pick... I'm not sure what the specifics of the contract is, but they can stop him from playing against the team that owes him, Man- Manchester City, in this FA Cup. Now, or FA, FA Cup, sorry. And uh, th- they probably never thought they'd be drawn against Huddersfield, but it's happened. And he's probably the best chance of them getting through to the next round to the, to the quarterfinals. So, uh, yeah, it's a really interesting one. But Man City, make no bones about it. He's not playing. He's not allowed to play. So, um, yeah, and, and the other thing too, I don't know if it's been a great week for Aaron, but uh, apparently there was an $11 million, million pound bid for him uh, during the transfer window, and Man City uh, closed that one too. So they've either got big plans for him or they, uh, or they want to sell him to a bigger club uh, in the off-season. Well, I'm are looking at China too in terms of big money. So uh, I'm a bit of a Borussia Dortmund fan when I'm watching the uh, the Bundesliga. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang mm. is their big striker and uh, he's looking to move at the moment. Now, it cost a fortune, but he's also been linked with a gazillion dollar move to China. Now, they missed out on Diego Costa, yeah. but the money that the Chinese football competition is throwing around is just nuts. Yeah, for his 60 million yeah. quid plus for a transfer fee. He'd be crazy to go to China right now when there's teams in England, there's teams in Spain that but want the him. the money, Carlos, is just uh, astronomical. But he'd, he would be already independently wealthy, Francis. He would be like... Uh, he would even playing in the Bundesliga right now, and he's played at a high level. He's been one of the important players for Dortmund for a few years now. What a great club, by the way! Yeah, yeah great club, and they're not doing so well this year compared to yeah. previous years. But uh, but he would be he would be independently wealthy now. So I think he needs to go to a, 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 a to league. Arsenal. Come well, on, uh, well, Arsenal's talking about <laughs> no, no, getting him. He's perennially linked with but us. But he's got to go to a league now. They'll put him on the world stage on a week to week basis. Uh, La Liga or EPL. Not to saying that EPL is one of the best leagues in the world or better than La Liga, but it puts him on the world stage in the media sense. I just know that one of these players is one of the best players mm. in the world. One of the absolute top shelvers is going to take that bait. Now, Didier Drogba did it late in his career, and other players have done it. But someone like a Messi or a Ronaldo at some point, maybe not those two, but the next generation, is going to take one of those huge offers. And yeah. that's going to transform how football is perceived in Asia. Let, Someone's going to go for the bait because the money's too yeah, big. Yeah, let's hope they do it once they've had their career. Even Messi and Ronaldo, they haven't had their career, but they've had a wonderful career. If they go now, it's not such a surprise. But someone like uh, 
you know, uh, you know, just those players are up, uh, you know, uh, uh, on the rise, uh, and everyone's talking about him in the secondary leagues or in, in or a league like a Bundesliga. Like if Antonio Griezmann, for instance. Yeah, absolutely. He's got to, He's got to, His next move's got to be that that thing that puts him on the map. I it's crazy talking about putting him on the map. He was third in the World Player of the Year, but and he's just so wonderful for France and Atletico Madrid. That stupid little phone. Yeah, dance. no, he's just he's nuts. just a wonderful player. Football fans know him and love him, but if he wants to cut through to that next level. He's got to be on the screens, easily accessible every week, and you don't do that by going to China. I know. Just watch this space, though. That's where the, the crazy money is, and it helps when the president, who gets to choose <laughs> what happens in the country, he's decided that football is his thing, yeah. and that's where all the, the money's well, going. It's really funny with it's the incredible. whole five foreigner rule now, and the, and the under-23, that the you know, two under-23s you got to have in your squad, that's all about stopping this excess in spending, which I can't see how it is, because they're worried about the way they're, they're, the crazy spending is, uh, is, you know, is happening in China. But you know, when you've got the backing of government and the, and the Royal Reserve Bank or whatever they've got there, apparently there's a lot of cheap US dollars to be spent in China, and that's what's helping them at the moment. Crazy, crazy times. Hey, before we finish up, just uh, A-League club owners and... And the FFA still very yeah. touchy. Yeah, this is going to... I think this is going to get ugly, to tell you the truth. Uh, the FFA have not really, you know, fulfilled promises that they've talked about, you know, giving them more of a say, um, you know, uh, allowing them to have a bit bit more. Given that A-League owners are talking about the fact that they are almost funding the FFA now through their TV rights deals and so forth. And A-League is a, is, a, is a product that's actually bringing in the TV money now. And they're still not getting much of a say. Well, have one seat on the FFA board that's for the right. entire competition. That's right. So they want more of a say. If they're going to fund... Everything that the FFA are doing, they want more of a say. And with the FFA now travelling to FIFA, looking to delay any, you know, any changes to their statutes and how they're going to go about it, I think the owners are. I think they're about to get really, really noisy about it. We're another step closer mm. to being structural separation between the A League and the FFA, which can only be a good thing. Well, yeah, I, I think it would be as long as the owners are very, very responsible with it. Now, finish each program uh, with you on a Wednesday with a foreign correspondent with a, a call of a, of a goal from around the world. <laughs> this one comes from the uh, Pony Football Competition, Medellin, Colombia. Have a listen. from the weekend Juan Pablo 2 scoring against Itigua in Medellin, Colombia and he Top called that, that he called that, that he called that from the toilet by the way <laughs> is that like a <laughs> reverb machine going goal